Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're in a new series called It's a Wonderful Life. I think it it is. That's the series. Um, It's a Wonderful Life. And I began to think about when is life the most wonderful? When is life the most wonderful? And I just started to have these thoughts about when we are ourselves, who God designed us to be, when we know intrinsically, like on the inside, who we are, and we understand our purpose and calling that God placed on the inside of us, and we walk that out, that it's the most wonderful way to experience life. The title of my message today is called, Be You Beautiful. Be you beautiful. I think Jim Carrey said it like, be a beautiful or something like that. It was like, be a beautiful. Um, but be you beautiful. And I know that's not very manly, so men come up with something. Be you, fill in the blank. Courageous, victor, champion. Um, but be you beautiful. You know, when I was growing up, I think all of us, you know, we kind of just were born into the families that we're born into, and all of us kind of find our way and begin to journey life. And I was thinking back on my own experience, and uh, when I was a kid figuring this stuff out, um, I remember, you know, friends and family and people would ask, you know, what do you want to be when you want to grow up? And my poor parents, I'm like, oh, oh, now I just like need to apologize all the time. But Um, people would ask me that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And when I was real little, the first thing was, I want to be a bird. They're like, what? I want to be a bird so I can fly wherever I want. Just a little independence as a child. Didn't get better. Um, My next thing that I wanted to do after giving up on that dream was, (laughs) was I want to be an acrobatic clown in the Barnum and Bailey Circus. Full transparency, the dream. And I was pumped about it. I was like, what's better than being a clown? You make people laugh, they're happy, but I need to be an acrobatic clown because there needs to be something like fun and unique. I made my parents put me in gymnastics to fulfill the dream. I grew up in New York and Barnum and Bailey was like, uh, I just remembered as a kid was like the biggest thing. And I was so pumped about it and until uh, we moved to Ecuador as Christian missionaries and they didn't have a gym with uneven bars and my gymnastics and the clown dream died and I continued to find my way. And then, um, you know, I was um, saved at age four. I had the beautiful opportunity to be raised in a Christian family and home. And I received Jesus in vacation Bible school. Shout out to every person that serves in kids' church and kids' ministry. Even though I grew up with parents that were pastors, I got saved with someone in kids' ministry teaching the gospel. And I came home and told my pastor parents I got saved. They're really pumped because according to them, I was their worst baby and child until the day that I got saved at four. Yeah. All the tantrums stopped, you guys. Hope for parents. I don't know. Get them saved. And so um, I made my way through life. And then at age 15, um, we were now, our family was in Ecuador. Parents are Christian missionaries. And I just was finding my way. And as a teenager, I just had this thought like, 
would I be saved if I wasn't born into a Christian family? Like, would I be a Christian if I wasn't born into it? And I really, I wanted to understand. And I had this love of God, but I just was like, I need to know that I know for myself. And so I remember going to my parents and telling them, hey, listen, I just want to let you know that currently right now I am not a Christian, that I'm going to go ahead and research all the religions of the world. I'm going to discover for myself um, that if, if I want to be a Christian, I don't want to be hypocritical. You know, the world loves to use those words. I don't want to be hypocritical and tell people I'm a Christian when I don't know if I am. So that's what I'm going to do. And my parents were like, uh-huh, great, great. We're Christian missionaries in Ecuador, by the way. Uh, great, great, yeah, okay. Well, on your little journey, Stacy, you go ahead and research all the religions of the world, but every Sunday you will go to Christian church regardless of your little adventure. That's really good parenting, you guys, now when I look back. And I was like, fine, whatever, I'm gonna show up, but you know, I'm, uh, I'm on this you know, little quest. And so there I began. But I've gotta tell you, my quest was very short-lived, it really was. It didn't take long as I researched all the religions of the world, I found all these people that came up with kind of good things and then they died. And I was like, well, that doesn't really make sense. Or I you know, discovered that you know, all, with all the different ways and avenues that people you know, dreamed something up, fell, hit their head on a rock, came up with a revelation, I'm like, yeah, I'm not buying that, I'm not buying it. And then some that are like talking about eternities and reincarnate, I'm like, wow, that's just, that's outlandish. Like what? And then even worse than that was I was 15. I was in, in the 10th grade, I believe. And I was in a non-Christian school. My parents were very much forgers of ministry. And when we arrived in Ecuador, like there was nothing going on. They were starting everything. So I had no Christian friends, basically. I was in a non-Christian school and I began to look at all of my friend groups. And I was like, wow, nothing in them brings joy or happiness. Like it ends in death or hurt or pain. Like all of them. And I was like looking at all my friends and all of their different journeys and I'm like, they're not intrinsically happy. Like they're not joyful. Never mind eternity being reconciled. Like life on planet earth doesn't seem fun and awesome for them. So it didn't take me very long to find my way right back to the feet of Jesus. And I remember I repented and asked God for forgiveness for even walking away in that time and making a decision to make him my Lord and Savior for the rest of my life. And so for all of us, we will all have our own journeys of leading to that moment or moments of encounter with God where transformation begins, right? Uh, my first point in understanding what I believe we need to understand first about ourselves is, <laughs> is that we're not accidents. We have to understand how we got here. So my first point is this, you are not an accident. God created you with a purpose and a plan. This very concept has been under attack in, in our nation because many people are even talking about, well, when does life begin? Does it begin at conception? And that's what we're, we're, we're you know, we're, we're in the war of our lifetime for, for saving the lives, for the unborn. But I was thinking about it and I'm like, the truth is, life doesn't begin at conception. Life begins in the mind of Christ. Listen to this. Jeremiah 1.5, Jeremiah 
was a prophet. And God spoke to Jeremiah in the Bible. And he said this to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1.5. Before I formed you in the womb. Before your mom and dad got together. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. That is fascinating. Because what God is saying is that I formed you and I knew you before I ever entrusted you to a person on planet Earth. So the Bible says, so he formed us. That's like I think about like a potter with clay. What do I want them to look like? What's the outside? What's it, what, what are they going to, what are their features? You know, a potter sits there and, and designs, right? Like a, a great designer. But then more than just designing our outside, he creates us uniquely with personality, with talent, with gifting, with ability. And, 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 and in Hebrew, that word, um, New means more than intellectual knowledge. It's used to describe the most intimate of relationships. Before Jeremiah was conceived in his mother's womb, the Lord was thinking about him in the most profound and personal way. And I wrote this, like a potter with clay, he formed you, but as a designer, he knew you, intrinsically made you the inside and the outside. How beautiful that he, he knew us. And the Bible says that he consecrated us to him. This is before we're, we're here yet, right? And so consecration, I just looked up the def definition, says to make holy, to dedicate to a higher purpose, to make or declare you sacred. Some people are struggling with worthiness, struggling with value. This is the God who knew you before you came to the planet and already loved you and consecrated you to himself, it says to induct a person into permanent office with a religious right. A religious right to what? To himself, to God. So God said, I already, I already created you, formed you, and knew you, and I consecrated you to me before I ever entrusted you to the world that I'm putting you in. And then he gives a purpose to Jeremiah. He says, I called and I appointed you to be a prophet. He's called and appointed all of us with the great commission to be disciples. And then we learn along the way as we listen to his voice and we understand what he's saying, we begin to learn more about the specifics on what he's called us to do here on earth. But I need us to know this morning that none of us here are an accident. Now here's the thing. My sister and I are 11 months apart. Let it settle, do the math. They call us Irish twins. Um, every year for one month, I catch up to my sister. She's the older one. And for one month, we're the same age. Did my parents plan on me being here? No. Was I a surprise to my parents? Yes, I was a welcomed surprise, but I was not a surprise to God. Does not matter. <laughs> you know, when, how, we, we think, we, we look so much about the origin of our birth, our mom and our dad, but the, the truth is that, that God was the first father we ever had. He then entrusts us to the people he's designed for us. And even some of us like, well, it, you know, I was, I was thrust into all kinds of crazy. Yeah, he knew that. He knew you were good for it. 
He had a plan. He had a purpose. We were born right at the exact moment he wanted us to be born. He wanted us right now. If we are here breathing, he wanted each one of us here on the planet right now for a distinct purpose. He knew. He knows us. Jeremiah 1.5, a little good thing to do just for homework is replace your name there in that verse with Jeremiah's name. Think about it. Before I formed you, Stacy, in the womb. Before I formed you, Michael. Before I formed you, Lisa. Insert your name into here. Before I formed you, Stacy, in the womb, I knew you, Stacy. Before you, Stacy, were born, I consecrated you. Stacey, I appointed you with a purpose. Just read it over yourself and insert your name there and you'll, you, will, you will understand and begin to connect with the depth of the love of God to each one of us. And like I said, you know, sometimes we think about the appointed and like, you know, well, Jeremiah knew he was gonna be a prophet. God spoke that into Jeremiah and God's speaking to us. We all have the great commission, which I love, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the ages. So right then and there, we can take hold of that and we can start running with purpose. Our purpose is discipleship, all of us. How we do that, we discover along the way. But who we are meant to influence is always the same. It's the people that God surrounded us with. I love God. He just, he, he makes it so personal and so specific. Sometimes people will say things like, when I got saved, I, it's like finding home again. And when you hear it in that context, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because God was your first father. So now he chose you and now you're choosing him. And we begin to embrace, I want us to be able to embrace who we are from that perspective. It changes everything when we understand our value and our worth. And then as we begin to discover, once we have our encounter with God, then we begin to discover not only who we are, but who we're meant to influence and how we're meant to influence them. I wrote this, point number two, be yourself, but be who God created you to be. Be you. That was my, that was my thought in, in this message. Be you. God wants you to be uniquely you. He designed you. He created you with personality, with talent, with ability. He does not want you to be anyone. He wants you to be you. But there is a world out there that wants to stamp us with what they want us to be. They want to put their stamp that is ungodly on who we're meant to be. But we have to reject our old nature, that used to be us. We used to sin and not care. We used to do all of these things when we didn't have that encounter with God. We're not condemned by it. We're not even ashamed of it because we didn't have that encounter with God yet. So we let it go. And the Bible says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if a man belongs to Christ, he is a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. 
The moment we begin to encounter God is the moment we begin to cut away at the old. We begin to let the old sinful self go. We begin to let the old perspectives go, and we start to embrace the newness of God. I like it in this version in the Amplified, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is grafted in, joined to him, remember we're consecrated, by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creation, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral, moral and spiritual condition have passed away. Behold, new things have come because a spiritual awakening brings new life. The moment we encounter God and we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives, an awakening begins to happen. Don't you find that all of a sudden your taste for the world, the taste for the things of the past, they begin to diminish. They begin to go away. And even the ones that try to trickle back, and even sometimes when we make a mistake, we want to stomp that out because that was the old us. That's not the new us. We begin to let those things go. The ungodly, the unsaved world wants to keep us entrapped by our old selves. And the world has a definition for us. The world's definition of be you is be you, be your feelings, do whatever you desire. That's what they, they tell us, right? And the world is so messed up. It's so messed up because the devil is a liar and he manipulates. And the way that manipulation happens is there's a shred of truth that's distorted. Have you ever found that to be, like if you look into the world, the world right now is proclaiming diversity. Oh, be diverse, be whatever you want, be your feeling, be it all. Yeah, they, in fact, they, they want you to be all of those things. But in their proclaiming of difference, they actually are trying to make us the same. Think about it, political correctness. Can't say that, can't say that. We have to sound the same. You can't sound different than somebody else that's offensive. Political correctness, race. Oh, God forbid we look at each other's skin color and say what it is. Like what in the world? And I understand racism, wrong, bad. Yes, that's a sin condition. But this is the uniqueness that God has designed and created. He knew what people group we would be born into. He knew what nation we would be born into. He designed, he formed the color of our skin. They demand sameness. They want the same look. Have you seen all of the ads in society today? All the models, what are they becoming? Androgynous. Are they a boy or a girl? They need to be the same. Proclaiming diversity, making us the same. That is the antithesis of what we just learned. That goes against God's design of our uniqueness. It goes against how he created us to be. And of course it would, because they want us to be anything that is anti-Christ. But that is not who you and I have been called to be. I think about the world right now and the the most prized person on the planet is a transvestite or transgender. Again, I can't tell what they are. Confusing. Why does the world do that? 
because it's twisted, it's messed up, it's lost its way. It doesn't have the compass of morality. It hasn't returned to their father. It hasn't returned to their designer yet. I don't even fault them. They have lost their way. But each one of us that encounter God himself and we recognize that God formed us and he knew us and he consecrated us and we begin to understand our worth and value, let me tell you, all of us on planet earth who are Christians who encounter God have a testimony to share to the world around us. We have an opportunity to share to the world around us. And I love it because the Bible brings us home. He says in Ephesians 6, 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness that this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So even though I can share and talk about the deception of the world, I don't hate the people. In fact, I have compassion for them, but I absolutely hate the spirit. The wicked, evil spirit, oh, there is allowed to be some righteous anger. And God tells us to go into the secret place, to begin to war and battle in the spirit and take down every one of those evil spirits so that people can return home and encounter him again. Amen? Yes. Amen. Point number three, be who God created you to be and help people become like Jesus. I think sometimes in our journey of discipleship as we've encountered God, as we begin to understand our worth and value, as we begin to have a testimony, um, all of a sudden it's like, well, what am I meant to, how am I meant to help people teach people? And I just had this revelation that God isn't asking us to teach people how to be like us. He's asking us to teach people how to be like him. Doesn't it take the pressure off? I don't need you to be like me. In fact, you shouldn't be because God created uniquely and, and purposefully with exactly how he created you to be. So the messenger and the packaging is different, but the message is the same. It's the biblical principles of God. It's the good news. So we help people to discover their worth and their value, and we help them to find themselves in Jesus. That's discipleship. Be who God created us to be and help others become like him. The message is the same. The messenger is different. Could it be that God knew exactly what he was doing with how he created us? You know, people get so uncomfortable. Am I an extrovert? Am I an introvert? Am I this? Am I that? Just discover what is intrinsically you. And, 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 and then think, great, through how God wired me to be, how do I minister to others? Who God wired me to be? We're all different. We all have different ways. And I'm telling you, the what is, is not as significant, I would say, as the who. How I do that, what job I am in, what role that I have, if I just look at any of it, even my mistakes along the way or finding the exact thing I want to do, it's not about the doing, it's the who I'm influencing. So when I worked in corporate, I had a mission field. When I was in college, I had a mission field. When I came into full-time ministry, I had a mission field. All of us, the, 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 the what mechanism is less important as the who we are meant to impact. Does that make sense? And don't, don't worry if, if we fumble a bit along the way. I first um, 
when I was in college. <laughs> I um, went to a great college, took a year off, decided I wanted to finish college. I'm like, what do I want to do? What do I want to be? And I was trying to figure it out. And I had this great idea, not a God idea, but a great idea, that I should be a nurse. Now, anyone that knows me, yeah, Lisa's just cringing on the front row. Yeah, if you look at what a nurse is and you look at who Stacy Capaldi is, a lot of difference. And the reason I thought that was because when I was on the mission field growing up, I used to translate, I used to interpret for a lot of medical brigades that would come to Ecuador. And I loved it. So I'd be, I, I, I went from triage into surgery rooms. You can only do that in a third world nation as a 15-year-old. So as a 15-year-old, I was there and I would interpret for the doctors and the nurses and everyone. I got so familiar. I used to, you know, scrub up with the nurses and go into surgery. Um, and I would translate and I would interpret and I thought, well, that'd be awesome. I'll just be a traveling nurse. I'll get to see the world. I speak two languages. I'll help people. It'll be great. And that was all fun and games until I went to college in the first week and they had all the weeding out classes for nurses. And I was like, consider me weeded. <laughs> I hated every class. I was like, math, science, medical terminology, hundreds and thousands of them. I'm like, oh, it's so boring. It's not anything against nurses, but it wasn't my unique calling. When a nurse finds her calling, she's the best nurse on the planet. But I realized in that first week that was not me. And I switched gears and I made appointments because I'm crazy like that with all the head of departments of my college because I had moved there, I had left everything and I'm like, what am I gonna do with my life? And I had a God encounter with a, a God moment with the head of the communications department and he sat me down and he said, Stacy, by the end of today, you're gonna know exactly what you wanna do and you're gonna graduate doing it. And I was like, great. And he sat there with me for four hours talking about my likes and my dislikes and what was I good at and what wasn't I good at and what did I love and what didn't I love and at the end of it, I was like, yep, great. I'm going to be a communications major. He said, you liked the translating. You liked helping two cultures come together. You didn't like the medicine. You liked all that is that. And so I went, you're right. That's exactly what I love. So I changed my degree. I graduated with communications. I specialized in public speaking. I minored in business. And then um, I was in a Christian college. So I had all my Christian classes. And there I went. And so all of us, we, we begin to fumble and find our way. And, and I still fumbled when I graduated college and started jobs and all these things. And, but here's the thing. The Holy Spirit was with me even when we mess up. It wasn't a God idea for me to be a nurse. But how good is God? He positioned someone in my life. My family wasn't in the country. I didn't have people around me. And he took one person that was filled with the Holy Spirit and sat me down. God will do. He will go to the depths of the earth to find us, to help us, to find our way in life. As we're called to his purposes, he'll help us. You know, I, I think about there's... You know, sometimes it can be hard and we're like, well, and then I think about Jesus because I'm like, well, he was like the perfect person on, you know, the planet. And he did so many, you know, he did so many different, you know, things. And he created all these beautiful, these disciples, 12 disciples with distinct personalities, giftings. I, I think about the 12 disciples and I think about, man, that, that must be the example that he gave us that we're all so different. And yet we minister and we minister completely differently. And I kind of had found like, you know, 
Because sometimes, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like when, especially when I think you're a type A personality, it's like you want to do things right. Uh, right, Lisa? Yeah, you and I are like that. We want to do things right. We want to do things. We don't, we don't want to fumble. We don't want to miss it. We're always concerned with the will of God. And, and I went through all of those struggles, and I was like, I just want to get it right. But I'm not Jesus. I don't get it right all the time. And the closest person I can think about that I have thought about, like, like who would be like Jesus, is um, uh, your pastor, Pastor Michael. You love this story. This is true. I'm not just saying that. There's a story. So I, I've often thought about it, which is kind of funny. You probably don't know that, Michael. Um, not in a weird way, but... Um, <laughs> I remember one time we were in Big Bear, and a whole group of us had gone to Big Bear, and we decided to take a walk and go to a coffee shop. And so we're all walking um, from the coffee shop back to where we were staying. And um, Michael was kind of on the side of the road. We were kind of all in the middle. And he was like, hey, does anybody have like a bag, like, like a garbage bag or like a, a, something like that? And I'm like, no, like we're going for coffee. Like, no, we don't have a garbage bag. And I'm like, why? Why do you need that? And I see his hands beginning to fill up with trash from the side of the road. And he's like, Stacy, you know, God in the Bible always tells us we need to leave a place better than we found it. I'm just picking up the trash I see on the side of the road. He's like, you know, you would do the same thing. And I looked at him, I'm like, no. <laughs> not only would I not do the same thing, I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me. <laughs> what kind of Christian am I? I'm like, oh, I repent. I was like, oh, that hurts so good. I'm like, yes. And from that moment, I was like, okay, Jesus, you, but, but Michael's up there. He's up there in my eyes. So extraordinary. Yeah. Last point, point number four. And I, and I think it's so important the way that this message was set up because the more that we love ourselves, Truly, the more we can love others, the more we can have compassion and grace for one another, Christian and non-Christian. Point number four, let each other's personalities and uniqueness shine bright. We are on the same team and we have the same end goal as Christians. Let each other's personalities shine bright. You know what I found? As we continue in the calling that God has given, as we discover our purposes, as we fumble our way through and we learn how to love ourselves and begin to love others and disciple people, not unto ourselves, but unto Jesus, that some jockeying can happen, some rough around the edges can happen, so, some, some friendships that should be friends for life, they unfriend, some offenses come, some bitterness comes. And to be honest with you, a lot of that happens within church and within Christians. Even though our old life has gone and the new life has come, sometimes I have found in the life of ministry and mission that, that we can be so unkind to one another, especially as Christians. It's like we have all the grace of the world for somebody that's completely lost and unsaved. And then the moment they become a Christian, they're put on a pedestal to be per perfect. We just discovered only Jesus and Michael making his way is the closest. But but we're not. And yet we, we put each other, we put pastors, we put our team leader, we put our ministry leader, we put our church on a pedestal. I believe it was never meant to be. And don't get me wrong. All leaders, we have a responsibility to live out the character of God. 
but we are human and mistakes are made. Can we have grace for one another along the journey? And this is what I think, because it really helped me a lot when this started happening with me, people just rubbing me the wrong way. Um, you know, because the Bible, the Bible says, let me find the verse. Here it is. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. That gets quoted all the time, but think about it. Metal on metal, sparks fly. This isn't a sweet verse. This is when you're around a person long enough, sparks are gonna fly. Do we have the ability to not, to not cut one another down, but sharpen each other? Because you and I have the ability with that sword to cut a person down and bleed them out, or we have an opportunity to let that roughness, to let that spark make each one shine brighter. We have a responsibility as fellow Christians to bring out the best in one another. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, I think about the 12 disciples and I'm like, golly, such different types of people that God decided to join together to save the whole world. And then I started doing this, this might help you, it helped me, for people in my world, because it's the, the close ones to us that rub us the wrong way. Like, we're just gonna be honest. Like the person outside there that, like we don't, we're not close enough for them to hurt us. It's, it's the close ones. And the devil loves to use that because if he can create an offense with two Christians, well then they'll just, all their head real estate gets taken up by that offense and then they're less productive for the kingdom of God. They can't think about the kingdom of God because they're thinking about the offense and the bitterness and the, how dare he, how dare she. Come on, we've all been there. I'm not speaking perfection, I'm speaking this to myself. And then you're on a team or a work colleague and you're like, for the love of all that is holy, why do they have to do that? Because they're not you. God didn't tell us to make us all the same. We're all different and unique. And we need to start to, to, to begin to understand how do I let them shine in their personality, in their gifting, in their talent, and the things that rub me the wrong way, maybe those are the things to help me exercise forgiveness and make me a better Christian and learn from them and become resilient. I, I'm telling you, as I get older, the more and more I'm like water up a duck's back. I'm gonna let that go. I don't care that that person is late to the meeting every single meeting. Just what if I just took a moment, breathe and go, don't care. Like, not right. But let somebody else take care of that. Don't care. It's so freeing. And then I started to do this. I'll let you in on it, a little secret. I started to think about like, oh, that's the Peter on the team. Oh, that's Matthew. Oh, that's Andrew. I started thinking about all the different disciples. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. Because let me just, let me give you a few examples about, about the disciples. I was thinking about John the Baptist. He wasn't a disciple, but John the Baptist was the one that pointed people to Jesus, right? So, and, and I love John the Baptist because he was a man who was secure in who he was. Because listen, the Bible says this in Matthew 3, 4. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, wearing a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. I'm like, he's the guy that points people to Jesus? 
I'm like, I ain't eating locusts. I've been running from that guy. And yet, he was doing exactly what God purposed him to do. And then I like John the Baptist. He was so secure in who he was because he was pointing people to Jesus and Jesus came. John the Baptist was the one who, who baptized Jesus himself. And do you know that Andrew was there? Andrew was a disciple of Jesus. Andrew was partnered with John the Baptist doing ministry. And then when Jesus came along, Jesus asked Andrew to become his disciple, the very first disciple. And then the bigness of John the Baptist to release Andrew. He didn't gain, start controlling everything. I need you to be me. I need you to be on my ministry and I need you to be what I want you to be. No, he saw that Andrew was finding his calling and his purpose. He had him for a little while, but when Jesus came and he came to him with his calling, he said, go ahead, Andrew. And then how crazy is this? So Andrew is Jesus's first disciple. And then Andrew witnesses to his own brother and says, you need to come to Jesus too. Do you know who Andrew's brother was? Simon Peter. Simon the reed who became the rock. Okay, now let's just talk a little bit about Peter. Okay, so, so Peter, he was impulsive. He was ambitious. He was self-assertive. He was quick to commit without fully understanding the meaning of the things of Jesus' words and actions. He was like the most extrovert, gregarious, rough around the edges. I say first, I think later. I mean, he's the one that took a sword and just took a soldier's ear off and she's like, oh, I need to put that back, Peter. That's not what we do, not flesh and blood, spirit. But I love Jesus because Jesus doesn't say, you missed it, go find another calling. Jesus pulls him in closer. You're still my man, Peter. You do things abrasively and crazily, but guess what? I want that passion to be forged for the goodness of God. I want that passion to reach the ends of the earth. And you're a little rough around the edges, but that passion can be utilized for the benefit of Jesus himself. So I think about it like this. There are times in my life where I need a John the Baptist. I need somebody to point me back to Jesus. And then there are times in my life where I need to seek out an Andrew, a wallflower, a behind the scenes person, a person seemingly in the shadows. We don't know a ton about Andrew, but if it wasn't for Andrew, we wouldn't have had a Peter. And there's sometimes in our life where we don't need public Peter, we need, we need Andrew. There are some times in my life where I need to go behind closed doors and say, I'm wrestling with a thing. Help, help me, help me, bring me back home, minister to me. I'm going through something, I'm wrestling something. I need an Andrew to minister to me. And then there are times when I am in the fight of my life, when I am staring in the face of real trouble, when, when I've been given a diagnosis, when things look really bad, when, 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 when people have come against me or, 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 or they've gotten it all wrong and, 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 and I'm in the fight of my life, I'm telling you right then and there, that's when I'm gonna call on Peter. Oh, I want a Peter when I'm in a fight. Oh, Peter, you need to come and help me. You want a bulldog in the fight, rough around the edges, but passionate for the right reasons. Let me tell you this. This is what I love. 
What's so extraordinary about the 12 disciples? Unique, totally different personalities, totally different ways that they ministered. All 12 disciples were so unique. They wound up going to all different places. They went to different countries. They ministered to different people groups. They all shared the same message, the message of the gospel, the good news. And then I find this fascinating. They all were martyred for their faith. They say, except for John, the disciple John, they say he died of natural causes, but that was only after he was thrown into a boiling pot of oil and came out unscathed. So all 12 disciples, completely different and unique in their gifting and personality, and yet that tells me they all had the same passion. They all were willing to die for what they believe to be true. They were all martyred for the faith, for what they believed in. So none of them got it wrong. They all were running in the lane that God had placed them in with such conviction. They became all different messengers, but each one of them, the same message and the same passion all the way till they entered into heaven's gates. What a day. So that tells me with our coworker, our team member, maybe God didn't get it wrong. Maybe he got it real right. And we need to let some things go and embrace some new things and get on with what God has called us to. When we get comfortable with who God says that we are, let me tell you everything else. You become one of the most resilient people in the planet because you don't care about what they say or who says what. You know already that God designed you uniquely, that he created you with intent and personality and purpose, that he called you home before you ever knew what home was. This is the Jesus, our Savior, who loves you, who wants you to be you, to not be like anyone else on the planet, to live out the principles of God in your uniqueness. Let's all stand to our feet. I hope this has helped you this morning. We have a world out there that so desperately needs to hear the gospel, but I honestly, I just wrestled so much with the fact that if we don't love us, how do we love them? And I, I just realized how much we all deal with our own insecurities. We all deal with our own levels of ambition and ambition's not wrong, passion is great. But we've gotta come back to who God designed us uniquely and embrace. What if we each embraced the beautiful things about us? That means an introvert doesn't need to have to transgress their personality to minister but it doesn't give them a pass to not minister. It means that an extrovert can absolutely minister and they might do it publicly, but they tend to be a little rough around the edges. And so they need to come back to who God designed them to be. The beautiful thing is we all find our balance in the Word of God and the words of God. Let those be the words that minister to each and every one of us. If you could just close your eyes this morning, I wanna pray for us. And if you feel like that was you in this place, maybe you're like, Stacy, I, I love everything you're saying and I wanna be exactly that. I wanna be who God designed me to be. Well, first we need to be a Christian. The encounter that I had when I was four, 
the encounter that I had when I was 15, the encounters that I have had after, that helps me to know who I am. We can't do it in the world. We can only do it through the eyes of our designer who created us. So if you're here and you're in this place and you're like, Stacy, I wanna receive all that God has made me to be. I want to come into connection and relationship with Jesus, my designer, the one who knew me and formed me. Or maybe you're like, you know what? I have done this a million times, but today it's time to let the old go and the new come and stand in and be confident in who God has designed you to be. If that's you in this place, would you just raise your hand? I wanna include you in my prayer. I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, awesome. I see that hand on my left, wonderful. I see that hand on my right, beautiful. Be you, and that's beautiful. So many, there's so many hands. You know what, why don't we do this? Why don't I have all of you just come to the front? I'm gonna pray for all of us. I'm gonna include all of us in, in our prayer. And, and sometimes people like, it's like the altar is a thing. I don't wanna get out of my seat. I don't want people to know. Listen, all of us getting comfortable with who we are, that should, that's a lot of us. So just come forward, come to the front. I wanna pray over us. Yeah, come on down. Receive of God in a beautiful way. Y'all can come on down. If you came with a friend, feel free to come down with a friend. Come on. How beautiful is this? I want you just to come to the front because I'm gonna do a couple of prayers this morning. So, so beautiful. So proud of you guys. So wonderful. And then those of you in your seats, if you felt like you connected with this message, that there's a part of this you're like, yeah, you know what? It's time for me. I gotta let some old go. I gotta let some new come. Could you just raise your hand for me? I just wanna see, just, yeah. Okay, great. All right, we're gonna pray. Everybody in the building, just lift your hands to heaven. We're gonna pray first for an encounter with God himself and secure who we are in him. And then we're all gonna pray and we're gonna encounter God again so he can tell us more about ourselves. We have somebody to go to to find out who we are, and it's Jesus himself. So could everyone repeat after me, especially those you in the front, we're all gonna repeat together. God, come on everybody. God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins, to reconcile my eternity. I thank you, God that he resurrected and gave me resurrection life. And I thank you, Jesus, for sending the Holy Spirit. I receive you, Holy Spirit, who gives me a spiritual awakening. I awaken today to the goodness of God, to the designer, to the creator, to the one who made me uniquely me. 
In Jesus' name. Now everybody just begin to lift your hands. I just want to pray over us. God, oh God, Lord, we praise you and we glorify you, God. Lord, I thank you for an encounter with you. Lord, I thank you, God, as they don't look to men and to women, they look to you, the one that created them, the one, oh God, the receiving Jesus. Lord, I thank you, oh God, that you created them on purpose, not on accident, for right now, for this time in history. And I thank you that they are victorious. I thank you that we as people can do hard things, that greater our testimony, that greater our victory will be, oh God. Lord, I thank you that we come into alignment with our assignment, oh God. Lord, I pray, God, even as we leave here, you continue to speak to us, our specific purpose. Lord, what we're doing on this planet, God, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us to carry it out. I thank you for helping us in every area. When we are weak, Lord, I thank you that we don't become strong, but you become strong in us. We lean into you in every area of hardship, Lord, in every area of pain, Lord, even the situations right now, Lord, that we know we need to reconcile, that we need to forgive one another, that we need to make things right, that we need to, to live without blemish and without bitterness, oh God. Lord, those things we, we put before you, Father, we ask for forgiveness, we repent of our sin, oh God. We release those people to you, oh God. Lord, we thank you that you are ministering to them and they are becoming who you designed them to be. And Lord, today I thank you that from today forward, we will look for ways to let others shine and that may they shine brightly because each of us shine in your eyes. You call us the apple of your eye. You love us, oh God. You designed us with purpose and intent. You knew us before we knew ourselves. And today we are confident in who you have designed us to be. In your name we pray. Can I get a big amen? Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.